these various things I wanted to say. We're in John chapter 3 this morning, and I'm not sure, do you normally stand or, as you read or not? And so I just want to do whatever you normally do. And so if, do you normally stand though? You do? Let's go ahead and stand then, please, out of respect for the Word of God. And, and so I don't want to do anything that your church is not used to doing. But John chapter 3, I'm, I'm in James chapter 3. That's a good passage there too. Once you preach it, we'll preach it all. John chapter 3, verse 13. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man. I uh, will confess to you that I'll probably preach a little different type of sermon I would normally preach on a Sunday morning. I felt like the Lord led me this direction. I preached for Pastor Atwood there in Salt Lake City my, and uh, was saved there in that city years ago. I preached from John chapter 3 on, you must be born again. But uh, this is something that the Lord laid on my heart. I want you to see it with me, that statement, the Son of Man. I want to focus in on that this morning, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the, there it is again, Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, the world's mentality of Jesus was that he came to condemn, and that God is a God that wants to condemn. But Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world and you and I from our sin. Verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There we see he is the Son of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John depict the life of Jesus in several different ways. In Matthew, we see him pictured as the King of Kings. And uh, Matthew, he's the King in Mark. He's the uh, King's servant. He's the uh, suffering servant. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we see the Son of, of, of Man. And then in John's Gospel, we see the Son of God. And John really focuses in on the deity of Christ. And we see his eternality, if you will, and uh, the, the importance of understanding that. The world oftentimes in various religions will say that Jesus was just a good man, but he was not the God man. And so this morning I'm coming to you from an understanding that you are a people in a church that really grasps the deity of Christ. As Jesus looked to Peter and said, who do men say that I, the son of man am, you know, and, and, uh, and, and uh, they went through that dialogue there in Caesarea Philippi, I believe is where they were located at the time. And, and Peter, Jesus said, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, speaking of the fact that he was God, the deity, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, for many years as a pastor, I've really zeroed in on the deity of Christ. But this morning, as we lift up the name of Jesus, as we've done in song and in him this morning, I want us to lift up a thought this morning about the life of Christ, and that is his humanity. Because I think sometimes we fail to recognize the importance of the fact that God was human. And there are so many things as we get, I'll have a longer introduction, and then I'll make application towards the end of the message that will help us to wrap our head around what the, the humanity of Christ means for you and I today. We'll let you be seated and I'll have prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for Souls Harbor Baptist Church and God, the faithfulness of this pastor and his wife, their precious family. Lord, this church family who've labored together all these years now. 
and to hear of a, a great uh, vacation Bible school. We praise you and thank you for outreach and to hear of this church caring for the needs of the poor. As I heard this morning, it blessed my heart. I pray, God, now that you would take my mind and heart and life. God, empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. Lord, put a guard on my mouth and help me to say only that which is pleasing to thee. And I pray, God, that Christ would be lifted up from the earth. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I love verse number 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, must the Son of Man be lifted up. I preached uh, recently from this same passage in verse 7, you must be born again. We all have to come to a place where we realize that we're a sinner and that Jesus, as God, came to this earth, lived a perfectly sinless life, and then died on the cross to pay our sin debt. That he rose from the grave on that third day, he's ascended to heaven, and he makes intercession for us. But we also must recognize this morning, once we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we must lift up the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I'm reminded of a world that has now reached 8 billion people, when I was born, the church, the, the, the world's population was the highest it had ever been in all of world history. And to think now, in my lifetime, the highest world's population has doubled again. It's unbelievable. To consider that God brought us to this world for such a time as this. And he has a purpose for your life and a plan for your life and a purpose for Souls Harbor Baptist Church and a plan for your pastor, Pastor Hoover, and this place for such a time as this. So why is it that we're not making the impact that God desires for you and I to make? And I would submit to you, it's because we're busy lifting ourselves up and we're busy lifting others up and the Lord Jesus declared uh, very emphatically if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me this morning I'd like to preach a message that focuses on the important doctrine that often is overlooked and that is on the humanity of Christ it's important that we approach this subject we recognize that as we mention the humanity of Christ we are not in any way shape or form diminishing the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ the theme of John is the deity of Christ and this morning we desire to lift up the son of man from the earth Jesus was in fact God but he was also so the son of man. There was a song written, and I love the song, Who Was That Man, That Man of Galilee? He made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see. He cleansed the spotted leper and spoke with authority. He broke the chains of sin and set the captives free. He was so much man that he slept in a boat, yet he was so much God that the wind ceased when he spoke. He was so much man, he wept when Lazarus died, but he was so much God, Lazarus came forth when he cried. He was so much man that he thirsted at the well, yet he was so much God that he saved her soul from hell. He was so much man that he died upon a tree, but he was so much God that he rose in victory. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that Jesus was the God-man. Paul captures the deity and humanity of Christ in a powerful way in Philippians chapter 2. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, uh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and, that, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The fact that Jesus made himself of no reputation means that he emptied himself of several of his divine rights. He emptied himself of his divine glory while he temporarily veiled his glory in his humanity. And some were able to get brief glimpses of his glory while he walked on the face of this earth through his messages of forgiveness and love and hope and the miracles that he performed. And sadly, many didn't see his glory, even in his own family. John 7, 5 says, For neither did his brethren believe on him. And so he emptied himself of his eternal riches. He left the riches and and blessing and glory and splendor of heaven knowing his destiny, knowing that he would be despised and rejected of men. And I love what Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Jesus gave up the riches, glory, and splendor of heaven to become a humble man. We see glimpses of his earthly humanity and his poverty while on earth. As we study his life, we see Jesus came to earth in a humble birth in a borrowed stable. He was a human baby placed in a borrowed manger. As a man, he used a borrowed boat to teach the multitudes. He fed thousands with a borrowed lunch. He slept in a borrowed bed. He rode as a king on a borrowed colt. He observed the Lord's Supper from a borrowed room. He was mocked as king and beaten wearing a borrowed robe. He was crucified and then buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus set aside his divine rights. Without surrendering his divine abilities, he poured out his life. His love was shed for us as blood was shed. His love was seen for us on the cross as he paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. Jesus was a man, but he was and will always be God. He didn't come to a perfect world. He wasn't born in a perfect setting. And he came to a troubled world full of sin, full of pain and problems. He was born into poverty and he knew what oppression was from the Roman Empire. May I say this world will never be perfect, not until Jesus comes again and sets up his kingdom. Man, I'm so grateful for the Lord Jesus. We must also remember that Jesus didn't have to come. He didn't have to endure all of this, and he didn't have to give his his life. He chose to come. He chose to give us his life. I heard about a, a, a boy who lived way back in the woods with his parents. He was just a young man, and I mean, they were so far in the backwoods, they had to pump sunshine, and you know, I mean, just, it was backwoods. 
They didn't have running water. They had an outhouse. And that boy hated that outhouse. I mean, it was hot and musty in the summer. And it was cold, freezing and frigid in the winter. And so he asked his dad, Dad, can we, you know, like other normal people, can we add on to the house and build a, a bathroom and bring in running water? And his dad was old fashioned. He said, we don't need all that stuff, that modern day stuff, you know. And the boy continued to grow up. And from time to time, their family would take long journeys into the city and he would see what he was missing out on. And as he got up in his teen years, he finally one spring got so fed up with that outhouse. The creek next to the outhouse had swelled because there was so much uh, of the snow that was melting. And so he decided to give that outhouse a big shove. He shoved that outhouse in the creek and man, he waved at it as it floated down the creek. He was so proud of himself. That night at the dinner table, it was pretty quiet. And as you could imagine, they're sitting around the dinner table and the boy's looking at his dad. He can tell his dad's not happy. He knows his dad's trying to figure out what's going on. And so he's eating his meal. And the father looked up at the son and said, son, he finished up real quickly, pushed his plate, leaned back in his chair, looked across. The, Somebody pushed the outhouse in the creek this afternoon. I think that someone was you. The boy dropped his head and began to pray, God, please give me something quickly. And he got a thought. He said, you know, Dad, I was learning about George Washington. And he cut down the cherry tree. And his dad was so upset with him, but he told the truth and he fessed up. And he said, when George Washington told his dad that he cut down the cherry tree, his dad didn't punish him because he was honest. And he said, Dad, I'm going to be honest with you. I shoved the outhouse in the creek this afternoon and I'm going to ask you to have mercy on me because I've been honest and I've told you the truth. The father looked back across the table at his son. He said, son, you're missing something with the story. George Washington's father was not in the cherry tree when he chopped it down. I know some of you will probably get that over at lunch. Lunch times. But, you know, stop and consider Jesus leaving all that he left to come to this messed up world. He came to a messed up world. He chose to leave heaven to dwell among us. He chose to live with us, to know us, to love us, to think of his humanity. It's truly amazing. God robed in human flesh. Jesus was literally and physically born as a baby boy. We read about Mary in Luke chapter 2 and, and uh, the manger there. And Jesus grew up like every other normal boy. We have a glimpse of his life at the age of 12 in Luke chapter number 2. And we know that he increased in wisdom and stature in the favor of God and, and man. He developed mentally and physically like other normal boys do. And he had other brothers and sisters like a regular family, according to Matthew 13 and John chapter 7. Jesus was a hard worker and a masculine man. He was called the carpenter of Nazareth. By the way, I've never met a feminine carpenter. I believe he was very masculine. We know that in two times he cleansed the temple. 
overturning the tables of the money changers and driving them out of the temple. He didn't react. He acted. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And Jesus was known as Jesus of Nazareth, his hometown in Luke chapter 4. But I also want you to recognize that he had feelings and emotional and emotions as well. I know ladies are going to like this point if you're married to a man that's not very emotional, all right? Jesus was hungry and thirsty and tired in John chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 8, he was sleeping as the ship crossed the Sea of Galilee. In John chapter 11, he wept over Lazarus who had passed away before he, he allowed him to rise from the dead. In Mark chapter 3, he was grieved over hardened hearts and even angered, the Bible tells us. In Luke chapter 10, he rejoiced and was thankful to his heavenly Father. In Luke chapter uh, 7, in Mark chapter 6, he marveled at faith and he marveled at unbelief. Jesus was baptized as a man by John the Baptist. Jesus was tempted as a man. And on the list goes, he experienced hatred and rejection and betrayal and, and even capture by his enemy. He felt pain and anguish, which affected his body, soul, and his spirit. Jesus experienced difficulties, real-life circumstances that oftentimes we fail to acknowledge or even study. Many times Jesus was alone. Other times he depended on others for food. He prov uh, depended upon others to provide a boat for him to use in ministry and a donkey to ride a home to feel welcome and safe in. And yet he experienced threats and all kinds of hazards and unpopularity, fleeing from danger and avoiding capture. And yet Jesus was completely submitted to the will of the Father. Wow. And think about that. He was completely submitted to the will of his father. As a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus even died the death of a real human. He could have saved himself from death and called 12 legions of angels. No power could have defeated him except it were given him of the father. Jesus experienced the reality of death and the bitterness of death. And he had endured the sorrow of those near the cross that, was th that were there and endured that sorrow. Jesus felt unimaginable, unspeakable pain, anguish, and even thirst. And in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As Jesus hung on that cross with, with thieves on either side, one rejecting him as the Messiah and the other accepting him as the Messiah, one going to heaven and one going to a lake of fire. As Jesus hung there, God the Father placed the sins of this world the past, present, and future sins of the entire world, yours and mine, on the shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior of the world. And God the Father could not look down upon the Son because of the sin and the shame on the cross. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Blood and water flowed from his, his uh, spear that pierced his side and his body was taken and placed in a borrowed tomb. And I'm grateful on that third day. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Jesus rose from the dead 
that third day as a real man. He appeared to his disciples and they recognized him. He showed them his hands, his feet, and his side. And I love to read John chapter 20. He walked with them and talked with them and ate with them. And Jesus is in heaven today as the Son of Man. The manhood of Jesus did not cease as he ascended to heaven. In Acts chapter 7, the stoning of Stephen takes place. And in verse 56, he said, Behold, Stephen, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Although Jesus was made in the likeness of man, he was absolutely not like other men because he was also, in fact, God. He was the God-man, the creator and savior of the universe. So why is the humanity of Christ so important? I've taken all this time to walk you through so much Bible, and I skipped some even, believe it or not, and I went as quickly as I could. And I really want to just leave you with a few thoughts as to why we need to lift up the name of Jesus and even the fact that he was Man, And then we see, first of all, the humanity of Christ made it possible for Jesus to die for us on the cross. If Jesus were only God and he were not man, he would not have been able to die. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm grateful that he died and rose again. <laughs> but I also want you to notice... Secondly, that the humanity of Christ helps us to realize the Lord understands us. As we look at the landscape of America today, it is vastly different from the America I was born into. Frankly, it's discouraging. And sometimes it seems as though you can't even make heads or tails of what's taking place. And I remember many years ago, my boys were young. My oldest graduated last year in May and then got married in July and went on staff at a church there in California. And the pastor's on vacation. He's preaching this morning to a large, several hundred people. And I'm praying for him this morning. What a blessing to see your children grow up. And when my, my boys were young, my oldest two, I've got four, we've got four children. And I remember we were looking for a Spanish pastor to start a Spanish ministry and uh, we had just hired this man and we were playing basketball and I was going to divvy up one of the boys on his team, one of the boys on my team and the Spanish pastor. Oh, let's have fun with these boys and you and I will play uh, against him and all of that. And was that my phone going on? Oh, my phone's telling me it's time to, to stop preaching. Is that what that was? Hey, can I, I got to come back to this. I got to tell you this. I heard about a preacher who was up shaving one morning. He was meditating on a sermon and he cut himself really bad while he was shaving. And it just kept bleeding, kept bleeding, and he kept trying to get it to stop, and he couldn't. So finally put a Band-Aid on it, went to church. So he, he apologized to the congregation. He says, I'm so sorry I got this big Band-Aid. I cut myself shaving. I was thinking about the sermon. So then he goes on, and he preaches for like an hour and a half. I won't do that this morning, all right? <laughs> and a deacon caught him at the back door, and he says, Pastor, next time think about your face and cut your sermon. And so maybe that's what the Lord said. Anyways, all right. But he understands us. And uh, so I, we were playing basketball, Josiah and Jeremiah, and the, the Spanish pastor, he says, let, let the boys play. So I thought, this is ridiculous, you know. And so we were having a good time, and I was going to let the boys score, but he wasn't. The Spanish pastor, man, he was like full out, you know, Michael Jordan. I'm like, these are little kids, you know. My boys were getting so frustrated. 
Finally looked at the older one and said, what's, what's the matter, Josiah? He looked at me and says, Dad, it's easy for you guys up there, but it's really hard for us down here. You know, sometimes in life, if we're not careful, we accuse God of the same thing. Say, God, it's really easy for you up there, but it's so hard for us down here. And God says, I came in person, and I know exactly what you're going through. God understands every heartache, every trial, every temptation that we face. And God knows what it's like for us here on earth because he came in person. He lived among us. He experienced life from our perspective. He even lived life through our limitations. He knows the trials that we go through and understands the pressures that we face. Have you ever longed for someone in your life who could understand exactly how you feel? Who knew exactly what you were going through? I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is in fact that someone. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus experienced the pressures of living in a sin-cursed world. He felt all of our human emotions, rejection, loss, grief, heartache, joy, encouragement, victory. He knew about poverty and governmental oppression. He knew about obscurity and he knew about popularity. Hebrews 4.15, you could probably quote it. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The humanity of Christ thirdly qualifies Jesus to be our mediator. And there's so much to say, but I'm going to move quickly on this. Because he was both God and man. When you study Job in chapter 8, Bildad tells Job, you need to repent. And Job responds in Job chapter 9. And he says in verse 32 about God, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Job is saying, if God were a man, I, I could talk to him. This is the reason that God became a man, so that we could talk to him and walk with him. We must realize that we cannot meet God's standards. The only man who ever met God's standard was, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was a man, we can go to him. He died for us on the cross, and he reveals to us by his life that we cannot meet God's standards. We needed a Savior, and Jesus was, in fact, that Savior. That's exactly what Job was longing for. And in Job chapter 9 and verse 33, he states, Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that we might lay his hands upon us both. Job is, is complaint, his complaint is that he had no mediator between God and, and man as his friends were uh, playing God in many ways. And, and yes, they were good friends. And we know that as you study that out. But it, he was saying in crying out, if someone could put his hand in the hand of God and could put his other hand in my hand and, and bring us together. That's what a daysman was, a mediator. And, and, and it reminds me of what Paul said in 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that he is our mediator? When the gulf that separated us between God and man was so great, God sent to us a mediator, the God-man, Christ Jesus. 
Christ is now at the right hand of the Father. He is our mediator. He is also our advocate and our intercessor. So the humanity of Christ makes it possible for Christ to die for us. It helps us to realize that God understands us. And it helps us realize that Christ qualified as Jesus to be the mediator between God and man. But may I say lastly, the humanity of Christ sets the standard for how we live. Our goal is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal is the Lord Jesus Christ. We must seek to be conformed to his image, to seek to please the Lord in all that we say and do. Jesus did always those things that pleased the Father. We are to strive to have the mind of Christ, as the Bible tells us. What an amazing king we have. I heard about King George VI and his wife, Queen Elizabeth. They refused to leave London during the darkest days of World War II. Although the Germans were relentlessly bombing the city and there was legitimate fear for the life of the king and the queen, they stayed with their countrymen. And on at least one occasion, they barely escaped death. The London newspaper reported an incident where the king was inspecting a section of the city right after an air raid. And an elderly man recognized the king as he was working his way through the rubble. And he approached him and said, You are here you in the midst of of all of this you are a good king God chose to wrap himself in humanity giving himself for our sins it tells us that God is a good king Jesus is a good king he's a very present help in time of need Jesus came in our darkest Hour, he came to our darkness, our hopelessness, our sinfulness, our helplessness. Although Christ, earth, all through his ministry, he helped people and changed lives. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He gave strength to the lame, healing to the lepers, and life even to the dead. He fed the hungry and comforted the hurting. He rebuked the proud and forgave the repentant. Everywhere Christ went, he brought change. Not always a change in circumstances, but he changed people's lives from the inside out. First, second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So this morning, I just simply want you to recognize that Jesus understands everything in your life that you've ever gone through or you are going through. And he stands ready to help you. Recognize that he is our mediator and we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And by the way, if there's ever been a time that America needs the Lord, I believe today is that day and this is that hour. Remember that he is our great example and we need to seek to have his mind and seek to please him in all that we do. As the world's population has reached 8 billion people, John declared in John, the Bible declares in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus declared, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So why isn't, why isn't all men being drawn to the Lord Jesus? And I would submit to you, it's because our job we're failing at. And that's lifting him up from the earth. Yes, his deity But let's not forget his humanity this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed.
Jesus isn't lifted up in America today. Oftentimes, his very name is taken in vain. In a world that curses and mocks and ridicules. And I'm grateful that it's different at Souls Harbor Baptist Church where Christ is magnified and his name is lifted up. But there are churches today that lift up their programs and their properties and their pastors and on the list goes. And Jesus stands on the outside knocking. Revelation 2.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's outside the church oftentimes. If any man, you know, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. This morning, Jesus desires to be close to you. Our nation and our world needs to understand there's a God in heaven who understands us and cares for us. Will you lift him up? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder who would say, by the uplifted hand, I want to lift up Jesus. I want to lift him up by living right in a world that is so wrong. Would you slip that hand up all across the room? By living right in a world that is so wrong. Praise God. You have to have the mind of Christ, and you, you get that through the Word of God and being faithful to church and Bible study and prayer time, spending time being faithful there. You want to lift Him up. Wonderful. But then we have to understand that He should be our greatest friend. Every heartache that you feel, every trial that you face, the, 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 the secrets that you couldn't share with your best friend, you can share it with Jesus. He understands. And I want to challenge you, members, wonderful people of Souls Harbor Baptist Church, by the grace of God, to draw closer to your friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. Who would say about the uplifting hand? I'm going to lift him up by drawing closer to him as my dearest friend. Would you slip that hand up all across the room? Drawing closer to him. Wonderful. You put your hands down. I wonder who would say, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. You know, when you, you don't trust Christ as your Savior, the reality is we're diminishing what Jesus did on the cross for us. And the whole purpose he came to this earth, to be our Savior. I wonder who would say, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't embarrass you now, but you'd be honest and say, I don't know for sure I'm saved and going to heaven. But I need to make that decision. Would you slip that hand up? I need to get saved. Wonderful. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Good. You may put it down. Who else is like that this morning? I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd love to trust Christ. I need to do that. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. I'll have everyone stand. The piano will begin to play, and people will come forward to pray. And if you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, God wants you to know that you're born into His family. He wants you to have a peace that passeth all understanding. The Word of God tells us that we can know that we have eternal life. The Bible doesn't say that you can hope that you have. It says that you can know that you have eternal life. In just a moment, we'll stand, and we'll have you come forward. And if you'd like to know for sure... Pastor Hoover will be here at the front, or one of these men here at the front, or a lady. We'll have ladies here at the front if you're a lady. But if you're a child of God, why don't you come and draw closer to him this morning? Say, Lord, I want to lift you up from the earth. I want to realize that you understand me. I want to live right in a world that's so wrong. I want to draw closer to you as my friend. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we stand together. The invitation's open. Will you come? Share your, share your uh, di- most difficult heart. Uh, uh,